The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. Hello, we're in Joshua Tree National Park. This is our first workshop. It's uh, Today is March 5th, 2021, and uh, we are really excited about teaching our photography workshops again and being in the field. After the COVID-19 virus changes. Yes. So I think we should start by talking about what we did during uh, the isolation time. Because since uh, 2020, we haven't had a workshop after, what was it, um, the White Sands it's uh, been 2020? Exactly, yeah. yeah, it's actually been exactly one year today. Right, so uh, what did we do? In the meantime, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we did a lot of things around the house. I mean, first of all, why did we stop, uh, decide to not teach workshops, right? To be safe, right? Well, yes, but also because we teach a lot of our workshops on the Navajo Nation, and they were affected since the very beginning. This was spreading like wildfire across the reservation because of the. Um, the living conditions or because they don't have running water and all kinds of things. And it was happening in very remote areas of the reservation. And we were trying to figure out how the virus was in these very remote areas. Yeah, the Navajos were really very affected. Yeah, they and were. So we decided that um, it was better not to, you know, make life harder for them and bring groups. And also some areas were closed altogether. Well... The next workshop after White Sands last March would have been Antelope Canyon the very beginning of, of April, and they shut it down. It was before. Closed, yeah. yeah, they shut it down in March. And then from there, we just decided that it was better to just let them deal with the problem, find a solution. Well, and they had lockdowns. Well, they had lockdowns, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, it was, we had to stop. I mean, we couldn't do it. No, yeah. no. So during this time... Uh, We've done a lot of things. I really love cooking, and I've always enjoyed cooking, but I didn't really realize how much I love cooking until this past year. Yeah. I want to cook all of our meals. It's, I try new recipes, but I also, you know, cook a lot of your mother's recipes mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, use the... Uh, French books, mm -hmm. French cooking books that I've had for many years, some of them since college. Mm -hmm. I have a, a French, it's just called French cooking. Mm -hmm. It's literally falling apart. <laughs> uh, I bought it when we were in college because it showed how to make quiche and ratatouille and all of these wonderful dishes. And uh, it's literally, the pages are literally falling mm -hmm. out of its binding. No, it shows you used it a lot. You know. It's really interesting because during uh, the isolation a lot of people started ordering using, you know, Grub or, you know, whatever fast food delivery service or food delivery service. Yeah, know. Uber Eats. Uber Eats. Our uh, tenant delivers Grub, with, uh, yeah, yeah, Grubhub and all of that. Um, uh, and uh, we did the opposite where we actually have never ordered with Grub uh, Hub or Uber, Uber Eats or, no. or any of them. No. You know, we've gone pick up food a couple of times from fast food, but never anything serious. No. And usually because we didn't have time to go back home, you know, when we were outside. Otherwise, we eat everything at home. You know? We so, do. So we've taken a very different direction. And, you know, the nice thing is that it gives you an opportunity to do something that you like. Yes. A lot of people don't like cooking. For no. them, you know, when we tell them or you tell them that you cook all the meals, they're like, oh, my God, that's a lot of work. And well, the dishes 
it's a never-ending thing going on in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like I'm washing dishes and using the dishwasher all the time. But the fact that I just really enjoy cooking and making meals, and and I make a lot of healthy meals. We eat salads every single day, fresh fruit every single day. Uh, I really try to watch, you know, the pasta and the carb intake, the bread and the rice, and I try to, you know, I mean, I'm not saying we don't eat none of that. We do, but I'm very conscious of how much of it we eat. Well, I think it's an important aspect of uh, isolation. Obviously, we we are not being as physically active because we are not teaching workshops. We are staying home more. And so we have to eat what we, we have to watch what we eat. Otherwise, we would obviously gain weight. Right. And the portion size as well. And Um, I think we do very well. I mean, we eat very healthy and... uh, we don't eat much, uh, you know, large portions. And, and, and we uh, do, we work a lot in our backyard, which I call our desert botanical garden because that's what it is. And so we actually get quite a bit of yeah. exercise just uh, I mean, we are in, in the backyard. There, like sometimes five, six hours a day, you know, either oh. working or relaxing or just enjoying being there, which means that we're outside, you know, even though we are not teaching workshops and, and so on, we're outside. In the Half sunshine. of the daytime. Yes, we are. You know, and that's good because landscape photography means being outside and it means being comfortable outside. And if you don't go out for a year, you know, like some people did, you know, during uh, the isolation, you're going to lose that habit. And it's going to be very difficult because it's tiring to be outside, you know, the fresh air, the wind, you know, the elements, whatever. It is obviously more tiring than being indoors. You know? Right. And you have to keep that habit going. I mean, we've had students that told us that, you know, they did not photograph for six months, and when they went back and started photographing again, they were exhausted. Yes. You know, literally. Yeah. And I can understand that, because, you know, your your physical condition can deteriorate very quickly. Right. Um, and also your uh, being accustomed to being outside. Right. And so I think it's... Um, and of course, for us, it's enjoyable, because we have a beautiful backyard, we have... Uh, you know, very nice uh, patio furniture, you know. and Well, and like you said, we spend even more time outside now in our yard because we've refinished all of the wood furniture mm-hmm. outside. I mean, we've done so much work. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, we eat outside every day for lunch, and we don't come in till the sun literally is going down. Yeah, and when it then, gets cold. Yeah. Yeah. It gets cold dark and for cold. Us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everything is relative. You know, cold in Arizona is what? 70? Uh, 46. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, in the evening, how quote unquote cold does it get? Oh, I, I'll put a jacket on if it drops to uh, 70 or 65. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I you know, need 65 a coat. to 70 is my cutoff point, you know. Sorry, I can't take it. I need a sweater. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm very sorry if you live in cold climates, but that's the way it is in Arizona. And guess what? If you move here, you don't get used to it. but everything is relative you know and uh, in the summer you know we have to keep in mind it gets to 120 so 70 is uh, not you know 60 is actually half of the maximum it is so if your temperature drops to half of its maximum in the summer you get cold i don't think it matters where you are no your body just uh, is used to it but obviously one thing we did is refinish a lot of the furniture that we have on the patio and we have extensive patio furniture i mean we must have a total of 10 or 20 different pieces of furniture and a lot of them were rattan or bamboo and they had started fading they did because of sunlight exposure and wind and water and whatnot and so what we did is we started refinishing it and we used shellac 
Yes, well, you were stud- You started studying woodworking. One of the also. things that I did uh, during the isolation uh, last summer was study woodworking, which I had studied in France. Actually, believe it or not, I have a degree in woodworking uh, from the French government. But I have decided not to do that for a living because I'm afraid of uh, machines. You know, I'm sort of distracted at times, and machines are dangerous. You know. Sour can cut off your finger just as easily as it can cut a piece of wood. Oh, absolutely. And if you think of something else, guess what? You know, you put the piece of wood and your finger goes next to it. And next thing you know, you have uh, split the wood and cut your finger off. And I did not want that. And so I decided not to do it because when you work in, in woodworking, you work with machines. Right. And then last summer, since we had a lot of time off, basically, since we're not teaching workshops, I decided to study woodworking with hand tools, not machines, you know, just hand tools. And you made some of your own hand tools. And I made some hand tools. Um, I also, you know, studied, bought books, uh, and then tried a variety of tools. And uh, the outcome of that is uh, I was able to actually learn how to refinish furniture because one of the things that I studied is refinishing techniques, uh, essentially using shellac, which is a natural product, you know, that shellac comes from the lac bug which is a little insect that lives uh, in Indonesia and that makes uh, a sort of secretion for their nest that's very sticky and, uh, and hard. And you can dissolve that secretion in alcohol, and that's how you make shellac. Right. And you can buy shellac diluted. Uh, Zinzer is a company that sells shellac ready to use. Or you can buy the flakes, the, the flakes which is basically the secretion uh, filtered, you know, without all the wax and the dirt that goes in it, uh, you know, cleaned up. And then you melt it with alcohol, denatured alcohol, and you make it yourself and you can dilute it yourself. And so I, I did it both ways. And for the patio furniture, that's what we did. We used shellac to refinish the bamboo and the uh, rattan furniture. Yes, and I think it started as I pointed to you and I said, you know, I really want to do something with this furniture because it's all you know, been bleached by the sun, it's totally white, and it doesn't look good, and I really like this furniture, and I don't want to get rid of this furniture, and then you had been working with the shellac, and it looked, it looked like the amber shellac, and you said, you know, I bet you the shellac is what was originally on it, and I think it'll work, and so we tested just a small area one afternoon after lunch, and then it just went off from there. Yeah, we did everything. We did. We started by doing one chair, and then eventually we did another wicker. chair, then the bench, then... Uh, wicker table, you know, you wicker bench. Yeah. And then we had those beautiful doors yeah. from the historic barrio in Tucson that we yeah. bought to decorate the yard with, and we had to refinish those as well because uh, they had taken a beating just from the the heat and the sunlight and even the rain in Arizona. And so we wanted to save those doors because we've had them for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And they're also, they're very beautiful photographically. You know, we've done a lot of things in the yard that we can photograph. And, or I can even draw and paint them and, and just uh, create art in the yard. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just decorative, it's also inspirational. And it's, you know, the subject that I use for what I call the backyard project, where yes. I take photographs of what's in our backyard. 
And that was another thing that we did, you know, talking about the different things we did during isolation, is uh, I started photographing the backyard. Because in a sense, we decided not to travel because it was risky and we did not know exactly how things were going to pan out. And so instead of driving to the subject, uh, we just used the subject that was right where we are, which is our backyard. Yes. And uh, it's been very interesting because what I found out is that as I keep working uh, at photographing the backyard, I keep finding more and more ideas. Yes. And I'm not done. I mean, you know, eventually that can just keep going for as long as I want. And also because we spend so much time in the backyard now that we've had ideas where you say we're just fine-tuning mm-hmm. certain things in the yard. Mm-hmm. We even moved a mural that um, that we couldn't really appreciate that was right. in the back corner somewhere, and we thought, you know, this is such a beautiful mural that it really should be well, a focal it in that point. Corner? Yeah. It yeah. should be in a focal point somewhere right. in and the so yard. And so we did, you know, and it, so it started, did not take much time. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because we did not have time to really think all of that through. You know, we were busy. Uh, no. I mean, basically... If we look at when we started the business, you know, which is 1998, until now, you know, or, or let's say March of 2020, we never stopped. No. We never took a break. We never took a vacation. You know, it's like 23 years or 22 years nonstop. You know? Yes. I Na- think of 98 to 2008 to 2018 to 2020 is 22 years. And... Uh, yeah, we did very well, and that's why we are where we are. But at the same time, the virus sort of gave us an opportunity to just take a break. Yes. I mean, it basically said, hey, sorry, I can't work right now. So, you know, enjoy. <laughs> right. So basically, I haven't felt this rested in a number of years. I feel uh, very relaxed and just... Uh, I feel like I, I needed this, uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't know I needed this. I think we both uh, needed it. We just uh, did not know because once you get into a certain rhythm, you think that's normal, even though you know it's sort of crazy and you're overworked, uh, and you just think, well, that's the way it is. You know? right. And then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, this feels better. <laughs> you know? yes. And then the other thing that we f- realize is that we can just do fine financially without the workshop income. You know? yes. And that was a very interesting realization that because we invested uh, our money wisely, you know, uh, stock market and also uh, in rental units, you know, uh, real estate, uh, we actually have uh, residual income that can support our lifestyle just like that. We do. And we did not know that because, in a sense, we never quite put the two together. You know? No, because... Uh, because the... we didn't have time for one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everything else. And the rentals were always a side thing, you know. Yeah, it was something it we was, did on the side. It was and, something yeah. we did on the side. It was something that we actually didn't even put a lot of time into. No. And so this summer... We put a lot of time into the rentals. Yeah, we made uh, them look better. The whole we Re- repaint them. We uh, had three of them painted. The interior yeah. totally repainted to beautiful gray tones. Right. We did Which whatever. Which is contemporary because oh, gray, absolutely. you know, lifestyle gray. Worldly gray. Worldly gray, gray that's the secret right oh, now. Yeah. If you paint your house worldly gray, people want to rent it. I tell you, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and our rentals rented fast, and we got to ask more money. Well, because for as the, the economy was changing, you know, people started buying houses like crazy. You they know? did. And the real estate uh, went up in, in value, and the price or the rent value is a function of real estate prices. And so if the real estate goes up, then the rent goes up. Right. And now we're able to rent basically at the basis of $100 a square foot. 
Yes. So eighteen hundred square feet house brings eighteen hundred dollars. Yes. More or less, you know. Yes, and that's does. what we're getting. It does. And we, we saw jumps of four, five hundred dollars on one rental. Yes. And what it meant to us is that eventually we have six rentals. Over the six of them, we increase our rents to an equivalent level as buying a seventh rental. Yes, so we did. We basically started making money as if we had seven rentals out of six. So we didn't have to spend anything. We just uh, had to increase the rent. And it's not done. No. We have one no. opening up at the end of March and... Uh, we are beginning of April. Also yeah. going to increase it by at least uh, two to three hundred dollars yeah. a month. And we don't even know how much because it all depends on how much we are selling for. Well, right it now. keeps the price keeps going up, and right. that one also has a brand new air conditioner yeah. that we put in this summer, yeah. and it's been and it's repainted. It's repainted, yeah. and there's only one neighbor. And it has a green belt on the yeah. other side where the kids can play in the park. And It in doesn't hurt that we have good properties. I mean, no. we buy houses or apartments where we would live ourselves Absolutely. if we had to. That really goes a long way because people look at them and they're like, well, I want to live here. You know, well, I can understand that. You know, we have apartments with view on the lake. We have houses in Cul-de-sac or in... Uh, Areas that have no neighbors, you know, or just one neighbor, and right. you know, nice, green, uh, pleasant, you know. And I spent yeah. so much time this summer, the ones that became vacant, scrubbing them and mm, cleaning. Yeah. And the comments that I heard from our our new tenants now, they kept saying, you know, one had a newborn baby mm, this summer, yeah. and they were remarking on how clean. Mm -hmm our rentals were compared right. to what they had looked at. Well, and the reason why we are so clean is because you do it, because <laughs> if we hire people, they don't do a great job. I mean, no. they clean, but then you look in detail and... Uh, well, they're not they, cleaning the hair out of all the drains like I am. They're not going into detail. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really I mean, I started noticing like when I looked at the tracks of the shower stall, you know. Yes. They don't clean the tracks. They do oh, not. Oh, okay. Well, why not? Well, it's too much work. Mm, yeah. Right. And and you you can't get them to do it. I mean, it doesn't no. matter if you pay them more. If you say, "Won't spend another few hours," they still won't clean it. You know? And since I had time this summer, I took the time to mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to do all of that, and it paid off. Well, you don't put the time here; you put it there. In a sense, you know, it's just as good. You know, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So it's it's been. Uh, we have a lot of friends and students that call us and say, "You know, I'm bored. You know, I'm depressed," and we're like, "Well." That's interesting because we are not, you know. I no. mean, we are not bored, we are not depressed. And I think the reason for that is because we stay active. We keep finding things to do. We keep finding uh, interesting uh, subjects to study, you know. Uh, yes. You know, and, and just having fun. And we've talked to each other yeah. that the secret to depression is to be active, but we have also uh, talked when we're eating lunch and everything, how you and I want to do so many things that there's not enough time in a day to do what right. we want to finish. <laughs> and know? we don't have time to be depressed because... No, because... And we go to bed uh, exhausted sometimes. I mean, when you hear... <laughs> and I'm not saying that, you know, we don't have the ability to be depressed. We have it just like everybody else. Oh, absolutely. But when you hear people tell you they're depressed, what do they do? They're sitting on the couch saying, I'm depressed. You know, right. you don't hear people that are active saying, I'm depressed. You hear them say, God, i I got to get that done. Right. Right. The minute you become active, depression has to take a stand back. Yes. It just can't survive in the face of activity. No. And so, you know, we don't get active because we're depressed. We are active, period. But for someone who is depressed, the solution is to just get moving, get something done. Right. You know, just do something, whatever it is. You know. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, even before the pandemic, I was 
I was down and I can't remember what the situation was and I told you how I was feeling and you said to me just keep your little feet moving just you know keep them moving and you'll be fine and every time I felt a little bit down I thought about what you said and I did feel better you're mm. like just keep moving your little feet and you'll be fine the more you, know? you think I'm depressed the more depressed you are yeah that's like a self happening prophecy you know self-fulfilling prophecy the minute you stop thinking about the fact that you're depressed and you start doing things, it goes the other way. Yes. You know? And eventually you find something that you are really excited about and you, you get involved in it and you, you just forget that you were depressed in the first place. You know? yes. I mean, I'm not a psychotherapist, but that's, that's the way I look at it. You know? yeah. Now, some people are clinically depressed. You know, they have a missing hormone or something. That, you know, at that point, that's different. You know, but as far as I'm concerned, that's how it works with me. You know, if I get bored, I get depressed. <laughs> yes, yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I become a pain in the neck because I have nothing to do. You drive me crazy. And, yeah, sure. You, you fall. Yeah. You're calling me and following me, and, and yeah. I'm like, what's going on? You're yeah. like, I'm bored. Get I'm like, some, oh no. Find something to do. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing worse than Alan Brio being bored. <laughs> yeah. The good thing is it doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah. Or if it happens, yeah. it's pretty short-lived. It is short-lived. Yeah, Yeah, so that's what we've been doing during uh, what I call the isolation time, which uh, obviously it's not over, but um, we started teaching workshops again. And this year we are going to teach, uh, if all of them go through, that is, we don't have any national park uh, canceling on us, we'll teach five of them, right? Yes. When we yes. start with Joshua Tree, which is what we are about to do right now. Yes. Grand Canyon uh, will be in contact with me shortly because they just now started accepting applications for this year. And uh, we're already done with Bodie and Mono Lake. Yeah, this, you already this. have the permits for that. Yeah, so that's And then uh, that's uh, we have the June. master class, which is on our property, so we don't have to ask anybody's permission no, for that. No, no. And then... Uh, ABQ, that's all also taken care of. all taken care of. Yeah. And then Antelope, we're still waiting to hear whether the Navajo Nation is going to reopen it or not. Yeah, that yeah. one we don't know, and that's supposed yeah. to be April next and, month. And, you know, if they don't open it, we might reschedule it for May or June, right? Yeah, it just depends yeah. on when or they f- just feel next year, you know. Right? Or even the fall of this year, we don't know. We have to go with what the Navajo Nation decides. I mean, even Canyon de Chez, yeah. where we used to live, is closed. Canyon yeah. de Chez is closed, yeah. you know. Um, you know, if obviously you know? the Navajo people are sick, the first thing is to get them well and then bring the tourists back in. You know? yeah. I don't think the solution is to bring the tourists right. back in. No. Know? Well, our girlfriend, Doreen yeah. McPaul, is the Attorney General of the Navajo Nation. You and I have known her for 25 years. Yeah. Uh, I taught with her in Chen Li. And, and she doesn't know. And <laughs> yeah, If the Attorney General does not know no. the answer... <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't. Or when it's going to reopen, then uh, nobody knows. Well, right? she wants to, you know, get the tourists, have well, the tourists come of, back I mean, as, are, as soon as they, they can. They are hurting financially well, because a large part of their income is uh, tourist-driven, and so they don't have it. And people want to go, you know, people are calling and asking. Uh, yeah. You said in Antelope Canyon, they are calling and asking if they can pay them more or do private tours and... They tell them no, the answer is yeah, no. Yeah, they uh, no says, is no. It says on their website, you know, we'll pay you more money, and they, they have no means no. No, they have Can't no idea. Too, yeah. when don't stop asking. Yeah, they they said stop calling. No, we don't know when we're going to reopen. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal for them. Yeah, yeah, they're severely affected. But we're just excited to be here in Joshua Tree and. 
starting the workshops again. It's a we have a small group, but uh, some of them have come from Florida, Kansas, California, because right. we're here in California. Yeah. But uh, they are excited, Michigan. And the reason why we have a small group is because a lot of them are waiting to be vaccinated, to travel, or they're still not sure how... They canceled. We had cancellations. Right, but they canceled because they're not sure, you know, how to do this, if it's safe or not. And, and then we have some from Canada who can't travel. They yes. can't leave Canada because no. the border is closed, you know. So there's all sort of reasons... But, you know, we decided to just get started anyway because uh, I think it's important that we get started. Otherwise, we'll lose. We'll forget how to do this eventually. Well, and I think it started by me calling the uh, the lady, Jeannie, who issues my permits. I've right. known her for many yeah. years. Yeah. They had no problems with me teaching a, a workshop and just mm -hmm. telling us, you know, the precautions that we need to, right. to take. Yeah. And... Uh, they weren't concerned, right. you know, if we get closer than six feet together in the field, they want us wearing a mask. Mm. In the visitor center, they want us wearing a mask. Otherwise, she is like, just enjoy it, have a great time, do what mm. you normally do, but just be aware, keep your distance, you know, wash your hands, you know, they keep the bathrooms clean in the national parks yeah. here. They're sparkling clean. They keep the doors open so that there's fresh air coming in all the time. Yeah. So uh, I feel very safe here. Mm. I think... We've spent not even a day here, right? We arrived yesterday around, what, 8 p.m.? Yes. And right now it's like 2 p.m. the next day. So we spent less than 24 hours. But I feel very safe, actually. Yes. Because the park is taking very good precautions. You know, all the rangers wear masks. Yes. Um, like you said, the bathrooms are open so that the air can go through. And they have very good guidelines, you know, about keeping six feet away, wearing a mask if you get closer than that. Uh, putting your hand in front of your face if you have to sneeze, you know, and right. and, and and people follow these rules. And they know? have all the signs yeah. they have posted, all these signs. you know, everywhere yeah. we go, they have the COVID yeah. I feel uh, safer than when I go shopping at Safeway. Oh, absolutely. You know? Because oh. at Safeway, some people don't wear a mask. No. They get close to you. You have to tell them to back off, you know, it's like... Uh, oh, I, po I you, know. you know, you and I literally point to the spot on the floor and tell yeah. them to back off. It says six feet, not yeah. slam behind me you know but yeah in a sense that's something that i did not know you know where, yeah. how this would play out so it's really important to go out and uh, see how things work because oh, yeah. uh, you never know you know and the weather's beautiful yeah. it's 75 yeah. degrees out here and yeah it's just it's uh, almost as warm as home but actually not quite because we are higher elevation yes yeah. but there's <laughs> the same number of clouds which yeah. is none yeah, but <laughs> zero. Yeah, it's zero clouds. We've been searching for a cloud, but we haven't found one yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's supposed to be cloudy Sunday and Monday, oh, I believe. Good. So yeah. you know, we will have some clouds. That will make some of here. the participants happy. You know. Yeah, so. yeah. That's one of the things we hear the most on workshops. There's no clouds, and of course, if there's clouds, we're like, it's not sunny. Well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll we'll do our best to get it sunny with clouds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't care personally, whatever I get is cool. I'm just happy to be yeah. here. So what we're finding out is that you can be isolated and not depressed, you know, and if you do that, you basically get involved in your own activities, you know, yes. you do things that you didn't have time to do before, you do things that you've always wanted to do, but somehow you did not have the opportunity of doing, and, uh, you know, not being able to teach workshop in our situation and travel 
has made it possible for us to do all sorts of things that otherwise we would not have done. Yes, yeah. and I look forward to getting up the next day because I already know what I want to do, yeah. you know, and so for me it's exciting. When my birthday came around in February, you asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday, and I told you, I just want to go on a nice picnic somewhere. And you found a perfect place just a couple of miles from our house in the Sonoran Desert. And, you know, I bought a nice rosé, and we decided to go healthy. So we had salad and stuff like that, and I made a few things, and we just really enjoyed being outside. We also had beautiful clouds that mm. day, which is rare in the Sonoran Desert. <laughs> and we took photographs. Yeah, we yeah. took photographs, did some photography. And we got some ideas also about doing videotaping in that area. Yes. You know, of me photographing for the next tutorial. Yes. The next mastery workshop. So we actually are not, in a sense, stagnating or going backwards we're actually moving forward because yeah. we've never done that no and we actually did some tests uh, and we found out that we had to have a stabilizer for the video camera oh, yes. because it was too jittery and then uh, even with the stabilizer I, I told you i said maybe i should go and get a gopro because uh, they have motion uh, cancellation technology you know and horizon leveling and hdr and it's going to make for a more beautiful video you know right and, and the whole idea of the videos is to show what I do in the field, which we've never shown before in no. a tutorial. No. So it's giving us ideas that not only we haven't done, but maybe we would not have time to do because it's time consuming. It is. Know. Everything involves research, right? We do a test with a camera. You know, we use the Fuji X100 to do the videotaping, and it does great videos, but it's also very jittery, you know. And so we get a rig to hold it, and we're going to try here and see how that works. In Joshua Tree, yes. And, and then we'll move on and we'll, you know, so it's a research process. Nothing happens automatically, you know, nothing is immediate. No, it is not. And you have to, there's a trial and error period as right. well, you yeah. know, where yeah. the videotaping that I did the first time, <laughs> I don't think you can use any of it. Or very little. <laughs> or very, Because very you were little. getting distracted. I told you focus on me, but you kept getting attracted by the cactus or the cholia. Or... Well, yeah, you know, you're like, focus on me. But then, you know, um, time is very different when you're <laughs> behind a video camera. You know what I mean? You, you think these minutes are like longer than they actually are. And you, your eye gets bored and you start wanting to look at other things in the landscape. Mm -hmm. And I was being distracted. Yeah, I did a test. You know, after the recording, after I saw what happened to you, I did a test where I thought, let's see if I can videotape and not move. Right? Yes. So I videotaped the backyard, just one shot, totally static. And what I found out is two things. The first one is, yes, I can not move. I can be totally static, not move. But there is a problem. Lasting one minute on one area without moving with a video camera is almost impossible. You just want to start panning right and left. You get bored to death. I know. You're like, I've been at it for 12 seconds. I know. Oh, you, know, <laughs> you still have another 50, uh, you know, 47 seconds to get to a minute, you know, 48 seconds to go to a minute. How are you going to do that? I have no idea. I can't wait to zoom on something else. And, and that's really an interesting subject because I had no idea. I had know? no idea either. And I was 
a little embarrassed when we were looking at the video together and you said, you know, what was the focus of this? What is this? And and I couldn't even tell you. And you're I like, mean, well, I videotaped I you before. I had no idea. And you I mean, were like, well, I videotaped you before. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, for two seconds. You're like, well, isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. You got to videotape me for the whole length of the movie. Yeah. And that's when you look at me and you said, you know how boring that's going to be? And I said, I don't care. Yeah. Just make it extremely boring. Because eventually it's not boring for the audience. Right. It's boring for the videographer, the person taking the video. But it's not boring for the audience because they are looking at what the person is exactly. doing. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And and it's really challenging. You know. So. Well, I'm uh, excited about doing it in Joshua Tree. I mean, we're going to try it here. We yes. have the rig. Yep. We're ready. We got it on Amazon Prime, like everything else. Oh in yeah. Our so life. that we would have <laughs> it before the workshop. Yeah. Which points to an important aspect of the pandemic. What helps during the pandemic? Prime. Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because when we ran out of supplies, when we'd run out of shellac or whatever, or whatever we needed, we would get it like the next day. So it was no yeah. big deal. Even when we were fixing faucets and the rentals and doing all these repairs and stuff, we were getting the tools. We were getting what we needed the next day. So it was right. no big deal. Well, the nice thing with Prime is that, A, it comes in the next day. The second thing is that if you don't like it, you return it. And the third thing is that in case of doubt, between this this item and that item, just order both and return the one you don't like. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not sure if I need a faucet with a sprayer, no sprayer, two sprayers, sprayer on the side. Sprayer yeah, just the order seat. them all, <laughs> install the one that works, and return all of them. Exactly. And you, we go to calls, we return them, and they recredit my card immediately the same day, and we're done, and you move on, you know. And, and really, one of the things that makes the, the pandemic more acceptable in a way, more livable, is definitely online shopping. And especially with Amazon, because A, online shopping is extremely efficient now. We find not only everything we want, but more than at the local stores. Yes. Because I can do search for extremely hard to find items, and I'm going to find them somewhere, usually on Amazon, but if not on eBay or on Etsy or somewhere else on the internet. And second, returns are very efficient, you know. You don't have to worry about being stuck with something, you know. Right. Um, and and so we don't go to stores anymore except for yeah. food. And at one point we had food delivered too. Yes. And we still do. But except for certain food items, we don't even go shopping anymore. We just go on the Internet, you know. Everything comes in uh, by Amazon Prime or Mail or UPS or FedEx. Oh, yeah. you know, and sometimes multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is know. fun. But that's how I learned how to make sushi. You ordered the sushi yeah. kit for me last summer, and that was so much yeah. fun. And well, you're like, I want to make sushi. I'm like, well, there must be a sushi like, kit on Amazon. Kit. I ordered it for yeah. you, and it's coming in tomorrow. I ordered tomorrow. it. It's only $20, <laughs> yeah. and it has everything, including the sauce and the wasabi. I asked you, does wasabi. it have the ginger? <laughs> I said, does it have the ginger? You're like, it's got the ginger, it's got the wasabi. It's got the uh, the the mat to roll, yes. uh, the tools, it has everything uh, you need. instructions. You know, you just need rice right. and tuna. And I had that <laughs> rice, salmon, tuna, and salmon. salmon and some cucumbers or whatever. You I had put cucumbers in at home. And then we put know. it uh, on Facebook Avocado. because everything we do during the pandemic, as far as our activities is concerned. We take photographs and we put it on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, my God, I always wanted to make sushi, but I never had the courage to do it. And we're well, like, and they started seeing difficult. the very end of my sushi, yeah. how the smoked salmon was just creative. coming out. Yeah. With, it's you know, creative sushi. It's flowing yeah. out of right. it. And I wasn't going to trim that off. For me, it's artistic yeah. and it's, it's a You're decoration. You're expressing yourself. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> I had so many likes and people right. telling me how much they loved it. <laughs> well, what's amazing with Facebook and Instagram is that we have more likes when we saw, show things like sushi or picnicking <laughs> than when we show a photograph. I know. So I, I thought I was in the photography business. Now you're not. You're really into the show me what you do in your spare time business. No. Oh, okay. But I think there is a reason for that, you know, and it goes back to depression. A lot of people are inspired by you. the postings that we do about what our activities are. Right. They find it uh, uplifting. Yes. I think that's the word. They do. They're like, oh my God, you know, you guys do so many things. I need to go there and do that myself. And we're like, do it, you know. Mm. it's. And thank I mean, you for sharing. Thank you for sharing, saying. you know. It really brings their spirits up. You know, they, yeah. they enjoy the fact that we share some aspects of our lives. I mean, obviously we don't share everything, you know, but we are sharing a lot of the things that have to do with activities. And uh, I think they really enjoy it. So we are, we are also not just uh, showing what we do, but we're also helping people figure out things that they can do, you know, mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, you know, I've got to try this, you know, and they, they do their own thing. They do that or they do something different, but they, they do something. You know? Right. Because the, the, the depression aspect of the pandemic is really significant, you know, and it's not necessarily talked much here. It's talked a lot in France, and I think maybe because in France houses are smaller, apartments are smaller, and people are getting depressed uh, more. Right. Or maybe because mental care is more important in France and here, I don't know. But they talk about it a lot, and they, they've noticed that some people, they go plan bonkers, you know. They, they get very depressed, and then they, uh, they go sort of mental, you know. And there's lots of suicides. And so we don't want people to get there, and uh, the solution is to just be active, you know, do things. Do, do things that you wanted to do but never had time to do. <laughs> and it know. doesn't matter what it is. And, it, you know, it doesn't no. matter if it's meaningful to somebody else. What's no. important no. is that it's meaningful to it's you. It's none of their business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can do their own thing. Even if they're in the same house as you, it's none of their business. You know, you when people <laughs> tell me, they say, you know, why won't you do that? I'm like, because I don't care, but why won't you do it? Right. It, seems, it seems to matter to you. Go ahead and do it. Well, I, re oh, I, I, I remember the other day you went upstairs <laughs> and you saw all the felt eggs uh, sitting on the desk because I'm getting ready to make Easter cards and you're like whoa whoa look at all of that yeah. you know and I was like I had no idea you, know. you had that many yeah, well, felt eggs well you know it's something but then a pack of a hundred is like a few dollars, right? So you know, it's because scrapbooking is not an expensive proposition. Oh, it's not they, like digital photography. And this I picked up at the ninety-nine cent store. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, it's I don't even yeah. know if I spent five dollars on right. everything. I'm yeah. just having. Fun. Well, that's another thing that you do. You know, what do you call it? Scrapbooking. Uh, card, making. card making. I make a yeah. lot of handmade yeah. cards, and I send them to friends. And I mean, we literally go to bed in the evening tired from yes. all the things we do during the day, be it yard work or woodworking or scrapbooking or cooking or, uh, you know, whatever it is that we are doing. Yeah. You know, it, we, we just get exhausted. Oh, yeah. You know? And people are like, are you bored? I'm like, no, we don't have no. time to do everything we want to do. And we are not bored. We're exhausted. We are tired from the activities that we do, you know. And, and it's not tired like, you know, we went to work and we got beat down. It, we're tired because... We've done all these different fun things, right? Right. We are tired from fun activities, right? But also doing things that we've wanted to do for years. Right. Yeah. Uh, the bench that you repaired mm -hmm. from the termite damage, you removed the back end of it and replaced it with Sororo ribs. Right. Now, I never thought of replacing it with the Sororo ribs. Well, you had the idea. I did, but I'm just saying I didn't have that idea years ago. Right. Um, 
I asked you, I'm like, how do you feel about, you know, putting these beautiful ribs back here and instead of buying, because I didn't want to go to Home Depot and buy a two by four. I was trying to find a way of not going to Home Depot is what I was trying to do. And then mm -hmm. we had this beautiful wood that we weren't using. And so I just laid some pieces on top of each other and showed you and said, how do you feel about putting that here? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I like it. Mm -hmm. And then you're the one that did all the work by cutting it and whittling it to fit you know, the back of the chair, yeah. but we've one, been wanting to fix that for years. I mean, we would always look at it and like, we really need to fix that, and we never did. Because it's not a priority, you know, it's like... I mean, we have lived in this house for 12 years, and more than 12 years ago, we told each other, we need to fix well, that. Well, this bench comes from our previous house, and it was eaten by termites, Yes, and I treated it, and then... And then let for, it be, you know. And then for 12 yeah. years, we look at it, and we're like, we yeah. really need to do something right. with that. And we never yeah. did until now. And then now. we had these uh, other chairs yes. that were that are basically French chairs from Paris Gardens that are bought. They are metal and wood, and several of the wood slats were broken. Yes. And eventually, after we fixed the bench, I'm like, why don't I fix that? And the reason why I didn't fix it so far is because it's relatively unimportant, and there's more pressing things to do. And now that we have all this time, I'm like, you know, I can do it. Yeah. And so I fixed all of them, and they look brand new now. Right, you know, they I, do. I glued the wood back together using uh, epoxy, you know, for the pieces that I had broken but that I had saved. And then where there was missing pieces, I reconstructed a piece of wood using wood putty. Yes, you know. Yes. And I reconstructed a pretty big piece, and you can't even tell. No. I mean, it's like a sculpture, you know, in it a way. It is. But, and uh, then we paint, yeah. you painted it's them. To me, it's almost a challenge. Can I fix that? You know, and yeah. I just go around and fix everything. And I think yeah. that's why, like you said, we enjoy our backyard even more is because we're, we're doing these things. We're improving it, making it look nicer. Well, I, I think as we work on it more and more, it becomes more and more enjoyable. Yes. You know, we add, it's almost like a refinement. You know, it's almost like a house becomes more enjoyable the more it, it's yours. Right. Yes. And the more it looks like everything is finished, you know, the less you think, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And I think uh, with the backyard, it took that long, you know, much longer than the house itself because the plants had to grow. You know, and we have no control over that. Yes. You know, now we have mature trees, we have mature plants, uh, we have animals living back there. And it has got to the point where it's truly enjoyable. And like you said, you know, with all the refinished uh, furniture, it looks really and beautiful. And the repairs. And it's hard not to want to spend time in a place that's beautiful. Yes. Know? And so while we would usually spend time inside the house, now we're like, you know, I want to enjoy that outside as much. Yes. And of course, we have large areas. You know, we have, uh, I think, over a thousand square feet of patio space, you know, between the front and the rear. And then plus the inner courtyard, we probably have close to 1,500 square feet total. And we don't even use it. I mean, we, we haven't really used the inner courtyard. We use only the back uh, patio, you know. Yeah. And I think it's also addictive. The more you do, the more you find out how enjoyable it makes it, the more you want to do. Right. Like you, you're like, well, if it's that much more enjoyable after doing this, well, how much more enjoyable would it be if I do that and that and that and that? And, right. You know, you just keep going, you know. And, and it's nice to be able to focus on you. You know, when you run a business, you're constantly focused on customers. And uh, having a break where you can just focus on you and what you want to do, I think it's, it's great. You know? Yeah, I think uh, so, too. It's something that some business owners never get to do. Right. You know, because, I mean, we've met some, you know, Dave, you know, from uh, the plumbing company or the, the air conditioning company. He, he retired and he died uh, a few months later, right? Suddenly, yeah. yeah. And he never enjoyed not running a business. I mean, he never enjoyed doing his own thing. And 
he had taken care of our rentals yeah. for years. Well, he and was a great guy. He yeah. and he kept telling us, "I can't wait till I retire. Yeah. I can't wait till I retire." And then he died suddenly. Yeah. And you know, yeah. so, so what is the message? Don't wait until you retire. Just do it now. And, yeah. and the pandemic is offering an opportunity to do so. And you know what? I mean, it's not like we were not doing it before. But we were not doing the same things. You know, we were doing activities with uh, Ferrari Club members, you know, country club, going oh, to yeah. Las Vegas. That was all fun. Cooking classes. Right. And now what we can't do club. any of these things because, you know, Ferrari Club, they don't wear masks. Las Vegas, I think it's too risky. You know, country club, you know, they shut down. We have to do things on our own. So we uh, engage in things that we did not even do before because you can't do everything. Right. right. So we shifted in a way. We have. From this to that. I and mean, I've always enjoyed cooking. But I didn't realize how much I enjoyed yeah. it yeah. until this past and year. And it's getting better and better. And I just love it. <laughs> I mean, I don't care how many hours I spend in the kitchen. Yeah. I honestly don't. Which is the opposite yeah. of most people. Most people dread cooking. You know, you know. I just no, love Not it. in France. You know, in France, people enjoy cooking, yeah. I think. Uh, but there is more of a cooking tradition than in America, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that America is still trying to find what kind of cooking people want to do, you know. Yeah. I mean, Betty Crocker is out, and you see one personality after another step up to the plate, and people can't decide whether it's grilling burgers or cooking French food, right, you know. <laughs> you know. Right. There's no real deep-seated tradition, you know, and of course it's very local, you know, at the same time. So. But I always remember your mother, and the thing, I think the reason why I also enjoy cooking is because some of your mother's recipes that I make... She is in my head mm. when I am making them. Yeah. It's almost like she is with me. Mm. She's talking to me. I remember what she says. She always told me mm. when planning meals and cooking meals that variety was very important mm. in a diet, that you always had to have variety. When I'm making the mashed potatoes, she's in my head and she's telling me gently mash the butter into the potatoes before you add the warm milk. Mm. You know, just take your time. You don't have to go so fast. When I'm making pie crust, I remember your father putting his hand on top of my hand and saying, gentle, mm -hmm. because the pie crust, if you need it, is going to become mm -hmm. tough. Mm -hmm. And I remember he didn't know how to stop me mm -hmm. until he put his hand on top of my hand Probably you, you to stop me. Probably you, you know? couldn't be stopped any other like, way. Yeah. You know, he didn't know how to stop me, and he literally yeah. just gentle. Yeah. That's yeah, what I remember, yeah, gentle. You know. I mean, eventually these things are us. I mean, cooking is who you, you know, it's part of you, right? Right. And uh, just like with me, you know, I mean, part of me is doing photography, creating art, but I have other ways of creating art, you know, whether it's with wood or with painting or with drawing or, you know, like just like research is part of me. I mean, I spent a long number of years in academia, you know, working on a PhD. I learned how to research and it's not something that... I want to stop, you know. Right. So the pandemic to me offers opportunities to do things that are us, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, f I want to take full advantage of it. I can't do anything else, well, fine, I'll, I'll do that, you know. To me, that's really important, you know. Uh, it's important regardless, but I think it's even more important now because I don't want to waste the opportunity. I agree. Know, you know? Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to have this time again. And so I want to do what right. I want to yeah. do I mean, now. Right now it's available. Let's do it. You know? Yes. Let's, you know. I don't want yeah. to wait. Yeah. I want to do it now. So I think this concludes our presentation for now. And uh, I think our next podcast will be on the subject of photography and art, I think, because that's really what we teach. And I'm sure we have things to say that um, are interesting yes. and important. And so we're going to close for now and then... Uh, 
The next one will talk about photography and art.